0: When she was just eight days old, my husband and I made the decision to have Athena listed on the heart transplant wait list. And at 10 days old, she was able to come home for the first time. This was probably the hardest decision of our lives, but it was the only and the best decision of our lives. At nine weeks old, we received the call that there was a heart for Athena and she received her gift of life that day, June 10th, 1993.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Infinite Hope Podcast, presented by the Living Legacy Foundation of Maryland. My name's Emma, and I'm your host for today. In this podcast, we explore the impact of organ, eye, and tissue donation through diverse voices. The podcast will share stories told in the first person of people who have been personally impacted by these gifts of life, healing, and hope. We hope our listeners will learn something new about donation and transplantation and become empowered to register themselves as organ donors. Today we are joined by not only one guest, but two, Kathy Shry and her daughter, Athena Shry. Athena received a life-saving heart transplant just weeks after she was born, so Kathy is here to share her firsthand memories of this special experience. Without further ado, Kathy and Athena.
2: My name is Athena Shry. I received a heart transplant on June 10, 1993. I'm coming up on my 29th Heart Transplant Anniversary. I am an IT professional in government services. I am an athlete on Team Maryland, which is an Olympic-style games for organ recipients, tissue recipients, donors, donor families, as well as many supporters. I'm an active Living Legacy Foundation Donate Life ambassador. I'm a member of Rio Maryland. And I am also a member of the Quarter Century Club, which is a group of long-term transplant recipients of at least 25 years.
0: Hi, my name is Kathy Shrine, and I'm Athena's mom. And just like she said, she had a transplant on June 10th, 1993 at just nine weeks old. I'm an IT professional as well. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I've been an IT professional for more than 30 years. I'm also involved with Living Legacy Foundation, Donate Life Ambassadors, as well as WRTC's Donate Life Ambassadors. I'm a member of TRIO, and I'm a supporter and a team member for Team Maryland. And the one thing I want to say is I hug every donor family member I meet just to say thank you. And I tell everyone and anyone about my daughter's gift of life.
2: So my story is different than most, because I can't tell my story without my parents. I don't remember being ill. I don't remember getting sick before my transplant, like most people do. In fact, I didn't really live much of my life at all prior to transplant. My mom tells my transplant story better than anyone else, and I'm going to let her take it away.
0: Thank you, Athena. So just to let everyone know, I had a normal pregnancy and a normal delivery. But that was probably the only normal thing about anything at that point. And within a few hours, everything changed. Athena was born at in 3.30 in the morning. And by 5.30 in the morning, I was told she was starting to turn blue. The nurses told me that they would do some tests to determine what the conditions were and if they would need to contact a cardiologist in the morning or not. By 7 o'clock in the morning, my husband and I were speaking to a pediatric cardiologist from Children's National Medical Center, and by 8 a.m., Athena was transported to Children's. Athena was born with a congenital heart defect, birth defect, called pulmonary atresia, and that's where the heart valve that controls the blood flow from the heart to the lungs does not form or is damaged or something or other, but hers did not develop, which is why she was turning blue because the blood after she was born wasn't receiving oxygen. When I was pregnant, there were no issues because the lungs don't work and don't function until she's born, until birth. She was a normal baby size, and so there was no indicators until she was born. At one day old, Athena had two cardiac catheterizations to determine the corrective surgery that she would need. The first catheterization was inconclusive, and they had to do a second one that same day. The doctors were hoping her pulmonary valve could be surgically corrected, but unfortunately, the left artery was too close to the valve, and that was no longer an option. It was determined at that point that she would have open-heart surgery and have a shunt placed in, in place of the pulmonary valve, and that she would need additional surgeries later on in life as she grows, that valve would need to be replaced. Um, at two days old, she had open-heart surgery and had the shunt put in. It was successful, but unfortunately, we got more difficult news. We were told Athena's heart had multiple other problems besides pulmonary atresia. She only had one right coronary artery instead of two. She had an embolism and many other arteries that were in places that they were not supposed to be and that was not normal. The doctors told us at that time they were going to consult with other major transplant hospitals regarding Athena's case to get their feedback and get second opinions so we knew how to proceed. But it was only within a few days that they all concluded with the same thing, that she could not survive with her heart and that she should be listed for a heart transplant. When she was just eight days old, my husband and I made the decision to have Athena listed on the heart transplant wait list. And at 10 days old, she was able to come home for the first time. This was probably the hardest decision of our lives, but it was the only and the best decision of our lives. At nine weeks old, we received the call that there was a heart for Athena when she received her gift of life that day, June 10th, 1993.
1: Kathy vividly remembers what it was like to receive that phone call, rush to the hospital, and watch her daughter get that life-saving transplant.
0: So when we got the call, it was, you know, we just knew that we couldn't go far. We had to stay local. And, you know, my parents were here. They were always around to help. My mom was at home. And... I got the call while I was at work and my husband got the call and he called me immediately and said, come home now. There's been a match for Athena and she's to go to the hospital right now. So I immediately was scrambling at the office and was frantic. And one of my friends who happened to be sitting right next to me grabbed my hand and told me to take a deep breath and today was gonna be the start of her new life. I was scared. I was happy. I had every range of emotion that you can possibly think of. I was going to take my daughter and put her in the hands of the surgeon and pray to God that God bless them to be able to do that my daughter would survive at that point. But the emotions, like I said, range from end to end because I'm scared, I'm excited, but then I have tremendous amount of sorrow because I know that my joy today, someone else is going through something totally different. Someone else made a selfless decision to save another life at the most difficult stage of their life. Those emotions are overwhelming. To this day, there's not enough words to say thank you. And the day doesn't go by. I am not thankful for her donor and donor's family's decision.
1: Just 21 days after receiving her new heart, Athena came home.
0: I was nervous enough about taking home a new baby, let alone a heart transplant baby. But we learned quickly that she was no different than any other baby. Always eating, always sleeping. The only things that was different was Athena had more medicines and doctor's appointments. Over the years, as her parents, we protected her, but did not overprotect her. The whole point of the transplant is to give her a second chance. So, other than making sure she was taking her medications and going to all her doctor's appointments, we treated her as a normal child. She went to school, played sports, was in scouts, went on overnight field trips, and even. We let her go away for college. Those were never easy, but we let her live a normal life.
1: Although the transplant happened long before Athena could remember, we were still curious to know what her first memory was of realizing she had a new heart.
2: I'll start by saying my first memory of anything transplant-related was me switching from liquid medicine to cap. I probably had to be four or five years old, and I just remember my mom showing me how to swallow a pill, explaining to me how to take them, while we down a whole thing of Tic Tacs. <laughs> but from then on, it was easy peasy, and I continue to take my medication today. I can advocate that growing up, I had a mostly regular childhood, except for I did have my own ball pit in my parents' living room because the one at McDonald's had too many germs for this recently transplanted child, and for an adult now, it still has too many germs. I rode my bike with my neighborhood kids, I went to birthday parties, I played team sports, I went to school dances. But in my growing up with a transplant, I was always open about my transplant. I was never shy about my scar. I wore what I wanted to wear. I went to the pool. My transplant was nothing I ever tried to hide as a child. Even when I got older, when I was in high school, I did a lot of public speaking and advocated for my classmates and young people my age at the time to be organ donors. And I worked with various schools to, to educate young people about the decision when they were getting their driver's license and, and, you know, just being able to tell my story and how I've been able to be healthy and live a normal life. And really all the opportunities and all my accomplishments from you know, being able to say my first order, take my first step, go to elementary school, make friends, go to college. I've gone to college twice now, an undergraduate and master's degree, and have my own career, and then move out of my parents' house. You know, all these things that people consider ordinary for someone like me truly are a kid. Ordinary to do all these regular day-to-day things. And I would not be able to live any of this life, none of my life would be possible without my organ donor.
1: 30 years ago, heart transplants were much less common than they are now. So Kathy didn't know much about organ transplants or donation, let alone if it would be able to save her infant's life.
0: Prior to us being told, Athena, would need a heart transplant. My husband's immediate thought was survival. She would survive. She would live. I didn't have that positive attitude. I didn't see it. I was worried. I was scared. I didn't know. I didn't know anybody that had a transplant. Who has a transplant? This is you're talking almost 30 years ago. You know, let alone a newborn baby who has a heart transplant. You know, my husband just immediately thought, Oh, she's gonna survive, she's gonna live and grow up to be a young adult. And and me, and I just went, Oh no, I was scared to death. And hindsight, it's amazing that we had the strength to go through that. And you you know, people say, How do you go through that? And you do what you have to do. You know, when she was transplanted, she was the tenth transplanted infant at that time, the first double digit. And it was just the scariest thought for me to have to even think about something like that, because I didn't know a single person. But here we are today, and I know so many people that are transplanted, and it truly, truly does save lives. It's not such a new thing today, but, and I'm thankful that there are more people that are given that gift of life.
2: Yeah, and on that thought, you know, I'm really proud to say that I've lived a normal life for 29 years and to be almost a face of the miracle that organ donation, donating life can give. But just like my mom was saying, there there are people that got transplants before me. There are other individuals just like me who are transplanted as infants and are in their twenties and thirties now. So I still have other individuals that I look up to in the transplant community as pillars of, you know, how my life could be with transplant, how healthy I can be and what I can continue to accomplish in my transplant journey. So back then You thought they weren't out there, but they definitely were. They definitely were.
1: We asked Kathy if she had reached out to the donor family.
0: The very first thing I did is is I sent them a thank you letter. We were told that it was received, you know, at the time, but we never heard from them. I then had sent subsequent letters again at different stages of her life to let them know her progress and to again say thank you again immensely. And I was told that those letters were received.
2: Yeah, similarly, I have written to them a couple times as an adult, just giving life updates and mostly just sending thank you letters. I, I probably would reach out again just because they believe it's therapeutic for us and you can almost, you know, you can never say, thank you enough, and we know that they're receiving them, so I feel it might be doing something for them. But I definitely understand and respect their choice not to respond, not to want to meet. I understand that's it's probably still very, very difficult for them. But again, we'd, we'd be open to meeting them if they, too, decided they would want to do that, whenever that would be.
1: And finally, the question we ask all our podcast guests, first to Kathy and then to Athena, what is the best gift you've ever received?
2: This is a hard one. I prepared my superhero.
0: (laughs) Honestly, I think the gift that we live in a time when technology is advanced and doctors have that skill and can actually do a transplant on a nine-week-old child. Her heart was the size of a walnut. Someone has to be a donor and donate, but then we have the gift of doctors and nurses and everyone that goes through the technology and even the people that maintain the list of donors and recipients and matching. I mean, it's that whole process that we live, In a time when we can actually be thankful for and have that gift that this technology even exists today?
2: So, my first thought was uh, one of the best gifts I've ever gotten, I think, would be the gift of friendship through Team Maryland. It's almost like a gift that keeps giving. You know, I've been able to meet so many people, learn so many new perspectives on transplants through people's stories. Just, I've been able to travel and it's just given me so many new friendships and opportunities that that has definitely been a big gift in my life to be involved with that. It's just something I really, really cherish. The second best gift I've ever gotten is definitely my dogs. <laughs> when I was little, my mom got me a dog, and then when I was older, we got another dog. So I would definitely
0: say, the gift of a puppy is unbeatable. I assume that's what you were going to say. Was when my they said outside of that, I assume no. that's what you were going to say was dogs. I think my best gift was my 30th anniversary. My husband and I went on a bike trip, and we went to California and did a week-long bike trip, and that was just wonderful. And yes, I rode an electric bike, so it was even better for me. <laughs>
1: It was such a pleasure to have both Athena and her mother Kathy on our podcast so we could get the full story of Athena's life-saving heart transplant. We always enjoy seeing them in our community, whether it's through Team Maryland or volunteering at an event. If you would like to register as an organ donor, you can do so quickly and easily online at www.registerme.org. For more information about organ donation, please visit our website, www.thellf.org. And that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like today's podcast, please consider leaving us a rating of five stars to help us reach more people. And be sure to join us next time as we continue telling the stories of people personally impacted by organ, eye, and tissue donation. And remember, organ donor is not just a box you check. It means giving second chances. It means infinite hope.